KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. And good morning, good Saturday. It's a chilly one, frost on the pumpkin this morning, you bet. Well, maybe it's a frozen pumpkin. Anyway, we've got lots of time, two hours, questions and answers. Everything is all about you today. We have no guests. You are our pest, our favorite, favorite desk guest. And we've got uh, two hours, 10 phone lines, 314-436-7900, 436-7900. Toll free, 800-925-1120. Toll free, 800-925-1120. Stay tuned after the Helitech Home Improvement Show, Billiken's Basketball coming up. So a great day, despite the chilly temperatures right here in the middle of the country. So with all that's going on, and it is going on, seems to be accelerating a little bit with the COVID issue, well, we spend more time, at least I spend more time in my home, perhaps you do too, identifying things that need attention or repair. As we get into the colder temperatures, and I know as chilly as it is now, we're still heading down the ladder to colder temperatures as we approach. Keep in mind there's some things around windows and doors, egress, getting in and out, uh, and I always remind you of escaping in some sort of a uh, event of a fire, medical emergency, whatever it is. So keep those doors operating freely. As the temperature gets colder, oftentimes the concrete stoop, S-T-O-O-P, or the front porch, the concrete slab on the front or the back door, even in the garage sometimes, uh, that freezing soil, as the temperatures drop and get colder and colder, especially staying pretty much down below freezing most of the day, certainly all night here, uh, that freezing soil expands as it expands it pushes up and it will lift your driveway it will lift your patio it will lift your sidewalk and it will lift that chunk of concrete underneath your doors oftentimes the step as you step up onto a front porch or a rear porch um just one step up and then you've got the the actual riser and step that is underneath the door itself that's oftentimes poured as one piece of concrete. What I'm getting at is as that outside temperature gets colder, the soil freezes, concrete heaves, that will pinch the bottom of your door, raising the threshold ever so slightly. But you and I being the good homeowners we are, keep that adjusted so perfectly all the time. That's great until it starts moving. So it may be time to start checking those adjustable thresholds and making sure that they don't pinch that door. So as you close the door, as you get in deeper and deeper into the winter, just be aware that that uh, happens every year in this part of the country and in most of the ways that those doors are installed. And those are our primary ways of getting in and out of the house. Uh, other than like me, I come through the garage door most of the time. Keep in mind, most of those garage access doors, man doors in and out of the garage, uh, don't suffer quite that same issue because we have the garage door closed. We heat the garage with one or two uh, car engines that come home warm and typically 
cool off all night long or at the time we're parking in the garage. So that keeps the temperature in the garage pretty comfortable, which is why I also advocate insulating the ceiling of your garage. If you've got drywall in that ceiling as a fire separation building code required, uh, I would go ahead and blow insulation up there. Um, if you're thinking of tinkering in the garage at all, like I do, I you know, garage is kind of my man cave, if you will. I did insulate that garage and put a pegboard and over the uh, wall that separates the house from the garage, then that's a firewall. So that started with fire code dry insulation, fire code drywall, and then I applied the pegboard over that. Now we've got all kinds of super cool uh, garage interiors with kind of the plastic slat wall, all of that being things that uh, bring convenience, organization, and just space for all my barbecue stuff, you know, uh, maybe that. As we get into barbecue stuff, keep in mind, we're in the frigid part of the winter. Uh, you Maybe you, like myself, grill year-round, but keep in mind, we've got some of those digital thermometers, you know, something I got for Christmas, pretty whiz-bang thing. As we go through the winter and they don't get used for three, four months at a time, pull those batteries out of there. Just remember, pull those batteries out for any batteries you have in lawn tools, things like that. Make sure they are charged fully for storage through the winter. So any cordless drills, cordless tools you have, make sure those get on the charger. Um, I have a tickler in my calendar every once a month. I go out and charge these batteries up because I typically don't use them much through the winter. Um, I'm a blowing leaf fool. So I've got a leaf blower and I winterize that, uh, even though I use it throughout the winter because, you know, I just when you get a little warm temperatures on a day like today. I'm kind of inside. But when it hits 60 degrees, sunshine, 50 even, you know, I get outside for any excuse. Maybe you do, too. So keep in mind, preparing those tools for the winter is very important. Should have been done by now. But if, you know, like me, sometimes you just don't kind of get around to it. Phone lines here on KMOX, 314-436-7900, My name's Scott Mosby. My day job is Mosby Building Arts. We are a full architectural firm, a full construction company. We are vertically integrated, which means means we self-perform most of the tasks at Mosby. So we have licensed electricians, licensed plumbers, uh, full carpentry staff, finishers, uh, cabinet setters, uh, full painting crew, everything it takes pretty much to keep the promises because as we get more and more um, performance driven and we measure ourselves against what our clients expect, uh, sometimes the uh, part that doesn't work is a silly thing like installing gutters. It seems like a, a simple thing, but if the job is done and we're waiting another six weeks because the gutter subcontractor can't get there, our customers don't care. The job's still not done. So little things like that. The reason we got so vertically integrated was just to control our uh, schedule and be more accountable to the promises we make to our clients every day. Uh, if you want to get in touch with Mosby, the website is callmosby.com or mosbybuildingarts.com, M-O-S-B-Y, uh, all written out, Building Arts, A-R-T-S. Um, and we enjoy doing what we do. Uh, anyway, uh, hopefully we can do some for you. Phone lines here on Cam. KMOX 314-909-8, that's Mosby 909-1800, but KMOX 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. My name is Scott Mosby. I am at your service. We're going to take a short pause and come back for some great phone calls already booking up on University of KMOX. Stay tuned. More in a minute. 
All right, home improvement. Scott Mosby, KMOX, lots of things happening here. Phone lines for you, 314-436-7900-436-7900-800-925-1120. If you don't like the weather today, hang on. It'll be a little bit the same tomorrow, and then it's going to start warming up again. It, you know, this is St. Louis in the Midwest, you know. It is what it is. Let's go to the phone lines here and talk to my friend Jane. Hey, Jane, good morning, welcome, and thanks for getting getting us started here on KMOX. Good morning. I have a question about my front door and paint. Mm -hmm. I had this door installed uh, last year, and a couple of months ago I noticed there was some uh, paint missing on the outside. Now, Mm -hmm. the door has an elongated oval in Mm -hmm. which there is um, glass. So framing, both on the inside and the outside, they're framing this to hold it in is, is some type of a, I don't know what you call it. Um, it's a plastic. It's either plastic or wood. Yeah. And it's got a 90-degree angle. You know, the door is one angle, and this, this brace is the other angle. Mm-hmm. And the, um, the door is maroon on the outside, white on the inside. And I was noticing paint missing in that 90-degree angle on the outside only. It was not on the inside. And it looked like it was peeling back, so I ran my thumbnail around that that oval, and the paint is chipping off. And I'm thinking it must have something to do with the weather because it's doing this on the outside and not the inside. So I'm just wondering if you could tell me uh, how I could fix this so the paint doesn't keep chipping off. Is this on the piece of uh, material that holds the glass in? It's the oval frame of the glass? Frame, yes. Yes. Yes, it's, okay. it's, in, it, it's in the 90-degree angle where the, that frame hits the door. Okay. Uh, that uh, piece, the way that door is made is one big solid piece of, you know, three feet by six foot eight slab of door. And then they cut an oval out of the door and they put this sandwich oval glass um, between those two pieces of trim, most commonly Mm -hmm. a high uh, quality type of plastic, but a different material than the door. So you have glass is one material then you have this glass holder inner frame thing which is usually plastic a second material and then you have a third in the actual door itself which is either fiberglass or steel something like that or wood so understand it's a different material and probably should have received a different primer Um, so the I suspect you have the same paint uh, type of paint on the outside um, and it it uh, whoever supplied and installed the door just or the painter call them back it's it needs to be rubbed off and maybe uh, that plastic usually is very very smooth and slick uh, so it tends to get roughed up a little bit of sanded maybe a little bit of a solvent on it to open the pores up put a high quality primer that's suitable to that material which is sometimes different than you know the uh, door itself and then the wood frame as well so i think it's just uh you know it's it's aging faster because it happens to be on the outside of the door, Jane, um, mm-hmm. and, and it happens a lot. A lot. It you know it is what it is. Sometimes you you get in there and you don't have the right primer or whatever. But whomever is responsible for that paint, I think probably needs a call back. And most 
good companies come right back, no problem. They may wait until the spring to get some warmer temperatures for that outdoors, but it's just a primer issue. Um, do you Can you recommend a primer that would be good for both of those substances? Um, no, uh, I'm a generalist, so this is why we have painters where I work uh, for exactly <laughs> that question. And typically, when they go into the paint store, they'll say, I'm looking for a good primer for this. And they will even uh, ask for the chemist or the paint store professional to recommend the primer. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, we used to use this, but now they're using a different kind of plastic on those trims. And here, this is the kind of primer you need. So, you know, paint is chemistry um and so you're asking pretty far down the ladder for uh recommending a primer uh, one okay. size does not fit all that's why we've got so doggone many primers mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway okay, well. it, yeah the paint has to come off or at least anything loose off that plastic surround uh, and then uh rough it up with a fine uh, sandpaper and mm-hmm. then there's a oh there's different solvents that go on but just make sure you wipe off sometimes alcohol uh sometimes there's a product called liquid sandpaper and similar products that open up that pore and then it's re- it's really ready for something to soak in so even if you put the right primer on a slick plastic it's like paint and glass it's just hard to get it to stick okay well, that yeah. sounds like a plan. I knew you could help me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know the general problem and I know the general solution, but when you get down to what is the best primer, you know, I just really have to beg off because uh, I just don't have those skills to play that fine a game. So uh, my my yeah. good thing is I know a little bit about a lot, but not a, a whole lot about a little. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's just fine. <laughs> okay. okay. Thank you so much for your help. I appreciate it. You bet, Jane. Good luck. Oh, uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Home improvement, and, and I love these doors, frankly. Um, you know, I'm a wood guy. I'm an old carpenter, so I love wood. But, you know, wood expands and contracts, and it moves, and it delaminates, and it gets wet. and it ro- So when you get a door to the outside, you know, to the elements, and sometimes you put a storm glass door over that, you know, the airspace between that solar collector with a wood door, and a glass storm door, that temperature can get 120, 130 degrees. Okay, now let's get a whiz-bang, highly insulated door, you know, fiberglass, steel, of which I truly love these doors because they stay flat. They don't generally warp, Um, you know, but they're highly insulated, which is great until you put a glass facing south and you can get those temperatures especially in the summertime if you have south facing and that sun hits in the summertime where it's 100 degrees anyway you can make that doorknob so hot that you can scald damage the flesh the skin when you grab a hot doorknob kept between that glass panel and that insulated door anyway scott mosby i've got enough i can talk a a lot about a little if you will on a few things within my skill set 314-436-7900-800-925-1120 next up let's talk to uh, john hey john good morning how you doing this saturday hello hello john scott here how can i help you my friend good good morning uh i'm calling i'm calling on behalf of my mother she lives in a mobile home Okay. She's having problems with the furnace. Uh, it only happens when it gets real cold in the 20s. Her furnace comes on. It kind of revs up uh, for a second or two, and then it stops. 
And it may do that four or five times, and finally it kicks on, uh, maybe the, the fifth or sixth time. And she's concerned about it, and she, she called her technician out. The person's got to come and look at it. And he said there's nothing wrong with it. You know, that's uh, that's the way it, it, it's, that's the way it uh, is, you know. So. Wow. Um, yeah, there's nothing wrong with the furnace. Um, there may be a problem with the thermostat. And keep in mind, this is kind of like, to me, this is akin to a paint question. How does the primer get along with the paint, get along with the two different kinds of materials on one, all that? Well, how does that thermostat, apparently we've got a kindergarten problem where the thermostat and the furnace may not be playing great together in the sandbox. Um, And it might have at one time, but, you know, the, when it gets really cold, I suspect there is, and I'm going to, I'm going to wade into some specific waters because I'm enough of an electronic geek within a temperature range. Um, a furnace will start up and if it doesn't sense that it's getting warm fast enough, uh, for safety reasons, it will say, oh, it's supposed to be getting warmer. Well, when it's really cold, it's not going to get warm as fast. So it's going to send a signal back and say, well, I think I'm going to you know, go through a safety shutdown. So it goes through a safety shutdown. And the thermostat says, well, it's still too cold. We need to fire this puppy. So I suspect there's some acceptable safety range that can be adjusted, at least on the newer furnaces. And this is why when people say, you know, I'm going to replace my air conditioner, should I go ahead and replace the air handler too? This is why my answer is almost always yes, um, so that they play well together in the sandbox on the simple things like start the furnace when it's cold. So I suspect there's something on an adjustment of that furnace um, that, and some of these old furnaces don't have those adjustments. You know, so it may be that, you know, there there is something kind of amiss, but the technician saying furnace is fine. It's operating to its design limits, uh, which isn't good enough at the cold temperature. But I think there's some sort of a safety setback in in the furnace itself. That's my nickel's worth. So uh, the last thing you said, you said it could be the furnace and it's not the thermostat then. It could be. I don't know. The, the, you know. the thermostat has a range as well. The thermostat will heat to, um, you know, if you set it at 70, mostly, especially these electronic new thermostats, you can set the range very tight, close together, so that it will heat up the house to 70.6 degrees and then cool off to 69.2. Yeah, I mean, you can you can drive a furnace crazy with a, a, a good thermostat set too tightly. It'll just start and stop and start and stop and never. So, I mean, you've got to let the furnace hit its stride. Uh, so my point being is you've got this electronic thing called a thermostat with a whole bunch of settings on it. You've got this electronic Ferrari-like furnace thing that has a whole bunch of settings on it. And the coordination so between you, those. If, yeah, go ahead. If the, if the thermostat is old, then... That's probably the the, the the cheapest fix is to uh, get a new thermostat. But I, I I think her thermostat is not old. I think it's it's pretty new. So so if it's pretty new, I mean, I mean, I, what do we do? I mean, get into those settings, widen those out. Maybe they're too tight. And, on a and this is where this is where you get. Uh, uh, heating and cooling technicians, they're analytical guys that figure stuff out, and they're guys that kind of install and adjust 
Um, you know, it's like a doctor. You go to a doctor and he may be the best surgeon in the world, but he may not be the guy that analyzes which surgery you need. But, you know, it just everybody has their major and minor, if you will. Okay, you so me? I guess I guess a Thermotet's not that expensive. I guess you could have the Thermotet replaced and see if it solves the problem then. I'd have this conversation on the phone with a, with another heating and cooling company and just say, here's what I've got. Here's where we're going. Here's what this guy on the radio told me that could be, you know, and, and typically what you'll hear is, oh, that's, you know, that could be, but here's where I, most, most companies that handle brands, they kind of know how a brand behaves. Well, this particular, you know, line doesn't have one of these safety things that Mosby doesn't know what he's talking about. But either way, uh, finding out what could be happening, and and sometimes it's you in the trial and error here, you know, John, I don't have necessarily good luck with you, but if everything's okay, that may be the fact. But are you getting what you need? You know, I want it to go on when it's cold. I, that's not unreasonable, so something needs to change. Well, I appreciate your time. I think the first step is to call a uh, different heating and cooling guy and see what see yeah. what they got to say then. Yeah, a lot of, I mean, sometimes you get in, for, for, like me on the radio, you know, um, I, I have some incredibly narrow, high experience in some really worthless things, um, like water meters running backwards. You know, who in the world would know anything about that unless you've been into those waters a few times, which is kind of how I got on this radio, is I, I, I know some really weird things. Um, but when you strike the right guy, you're you're off and running and it's like yeah i'll send a guy right over or i can't send a guy right over it'll take me 10 minutes or somebody else 45 minutes i'll i'll be right there know what i mean okay you did a great help i i appreciate it yeah john you're kind of on your own looking for somebody that understands this but i i guarantee that somebody knows what's going on with this furnace unit and or thermostat and it may be a process of elimination sometimes the learning curve on this is on your dime so just be aware you know you're off and running sometimes well the furnace is over 20 years old so uh yeah i mean that might still might not have nothing to do with it because it, when it's running good it runs great so i will well, have figured out you know, if the house is good enough, you know, if the home is in good enough shape, and it's it, if it's twenty years old, there's prudence and to just change that furnace. <laughs> that may be. I mean, if you're going to spend three hundred, four hundred dollars, or even two hundred on a new ther- thermostat, you know, are you better off throwing that money to a new furnace? That makes sense to me. Yeah. So okay. anyway, that's Thank my nickel. You. Twenty years ago, the technology was not nearly what it is today. So. Uh, and and the technicians were not the same as we had 20 years ago. So, you know, there, I think there's prudence in exploring that replacement option. Good luck, okay, Big Jim. I, I appreciate your time. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye now. Home improvement. Scott Mosby, I mean, there we go. Um, that That's why I'm on the air. Um, sometimes I just ask dumb questions. Uh, and some of the most notable things business-wise – I have learned from customers asking dumb questions because, uh, and here's an example of that. Uh, had a, a man who eventually became a really good friend of mine and uh, we're doing a kitchen and, you know, we're doing countertops and, uh, you know, a, a, a standard countertop back then, cabinets are 24 inches deep, base cabinets in a kitchen. 
and then the door usually sticks out another three quarters of an inch plus a bumper space so you know the face of the cabinet drawers are about you know 24 inches and seven eighths and you know the standard countertop of the time laminates usually was 25 inches so you know when you'd spill something on the countertop the water would drip down oftentimes right down and behind the drawers so you know I'm, I'm talking this over it's like well you know you're, you're 25 inches and he said why is the countertop 25 inches deep well it's standard that's the way the industry is you know and I, I, I wasn't that abrupt and I said well it's you know typically 25 inches has been for years and he said well why wouldn't it be 25 and a half inches so when I spill my coffee it drips on the floor instead of on my cabinets um, well you know, aw shucks, and my, you know, I start slipping my toe back and forth. It's like, uh, you know, that's a really good question. It, they, they really should be, you know, and, and, and we changed, you know, but it was because I was part of the establishment or the knowledgeable, experienced, you know, what was, always is, um, you know, th that uh, particular question of why wouldn't you have the countertops extend out further? Uh, well, uh, they should, shouldn't they? You know, so it changed it, you know, changed our business, changed how we do things. And those conversations now are part of the Mosby Building Arts design process. It's like, you know, little things. Well, how far do you want your countertop out? So if you're a buyer that doesn't care and the standard is good enough and you may not know enough about it or, or have enough interest in it, it doesn't matter. And those are a certain kind of company builder contractor. But if you care or and you want performance-driven things, those answers should be yours. And the questions should be asked by that design or construction professional. So anyway, I get uh, digress here in about seven different directions. Uh, anyway, uh, we've got some great phone lines here coming up here or calls up. So we're going to get into that. That, uh, both uh, may take a little time. We're going to take a short pause here on CamWax. My name is Scott Mosby. This is CamWax, and we both are at your service. Ow! Yeah! Home improvement, Scott Mosby, CamWax, 50,000 watts, and so many things to talk about, so little time. Phone lines open for you right now here on 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Let's go right up and see my friend. Uh, let's talk to David. Hey, David, Scott Mosby here. How can I help? Yes, I have an existing uh, door on my front, on the front of my house. And I was thinking about putting a fancier door on it, like the kind they sell at Home Depot. Mm -hmm. I went there and priced them. They're around two to three thousand dollars. Right. My question is: the existing door, uh, without ruining the structural integrity of it, could I cut a hole in it to put a piece of stained glass or tempered glass in it to make it look somewhat fancier than what it is? Oh, sure. You bet. I mean, you know, David, this kind of follows our question with Jane. Uh, so your door, uh, you may be looking for just what we call an insert. So the door and yeah. the insert, as Jane was talking about the in the first caller, is an oval. So you betcha. That's uh, most definitely possible and actually yeah. pretty easy. What's hard is finding somebody that is fl it's kind of a small job and speci uh, specialized. Uh, yeah. Well, see, I don't, yeah. I don't want to do it because I'd probably ruin the door. So yeah. it's best to hire somebody who knows what the heck they're doing. 
There is a company, though, I don't recall the name that I've seen at the home show uh, for several years, and their job is exactly that. They have a trailer. Um, they take the door off. They put the door in the trailer, kind of a wood shop sort of thing, and they have a route, and they cut a hole in the door and put these new inserts in. And I, I'm not sure what that name of the company is, but maybe a caller can help us with that retrofit door insert uh, company. So, um, I mean, anybody can do that for you. The issue is that, uh, you know, for a company like Mosby, we do this, um, but it's it's a, a specific, almost specialty where uh, somebody else does it a little better. You follow me there? Yeah, you're back now? Uh, yep. Did I lose you there? No, this is David. Uh, yeah, we David, got I'm... cut off. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, my apologies there. Uh, anyway, there yeah, are a couple... Yeah, well, it asked kind of about uh, retrofitting an existing door to put a stained glass or tempered glass in it to make it uh, more appealing. Yeah, that's all possible, and I'm trying to remember the name of a company in St. Louis or the St. Louis area that does that. They actually um, install inserts in existing doors. Because it would be a lot cheaper than buying an, a door like that at Home Depot with, with, with what they cost. Yes, yes. Well, I, you know, I will tell you this, and this is kind of how the dance goes. Um, you can get a new deep, a new door for the price you're looking at. Sometimes those inserts might be $800, and the installation might be 800 or 900 So you wind up with, okay, a new door for, you know, 3000 for whatever the price is, or insert being installed for $1,800. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of like that, and then it's like, well, you know, if I'm that far along, halfway to the door, do I want a whole new door? So... That that's kind of how the consumer dance goes. Yeah. All righty. Thank you. Yeah. So it is possible, and uh, um, I just wish I knew the name of the company. Anyway, somebody call in and let us know if you've had experience with this type of uh, insert installer. Thanks, David. Talk to you soon. All right. Home improvement. Next up, let's see what's up with my friend Chris. Hey, Chris. Good morning. Welcome to Camwex. And how may I help? Good morning, Scott. How are you today? I hope everything's going good. Well, you bet. Always good. good. Hey, um, I have a property I live on with two 40 by 60 barns. Nice. And they're metal barns. And as you might imagine, the here I'm thinking I put things in there and it'll stay dry and so on. Well, it's not that the roof is leaking. It's that it sweats and drips. It so, sure does. I had this this brilliant idea to um, maybe take the some kind of uh, high uh, larger mill plastic and attach it at the peak and then kind of fan it or flag it down, whatever you call it. I can't yeah. think of the thing. Drape it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. To do to and then bring it down to the end and let the water flow down. And I'm thinking, is that the best solution, or are there other options for me? No, you're kind of on your own. That's because of the soil floor and the you know the moisture that builds up in a pole barn type barn. Um, you know, it's outdoors, and when the temperature changes, uh, and it can, um, you know, you hit that dew point, and it it condenses, and you wind up with these droplets. Um, and I, what you're proposing can be done. Oftentimes, in I've been in. Uh, retail shopping stores where they actually have big sheets of plastic up in the 
bar joist, the metal bar joist, collecting roof leaks and directing that water runoff over to some place where they can manage it. So what, it's kind of a Rube Goldberg sort of uh, thing that you're proposing, but there's no reason why you can't do that. There's no, you know, you know, uh, building physics or any of that. It, yeah, you can do. I, I would just say that uh, using a polyethylene plastic, though it'll be very inexpensive, that stuff dries out and the ultraviolet you know, light, even inside a barn, it'll last maybe three or four years and crack up and all. So I might go to a little bit higher quality um, membrane. Okay. And by the way, on your first earlier caller about the furnace, I was just going to make a comment. In my last four houses... I almost immediately replaced the furnace because of the higher efficiency and all that, and it was worth every penny I spent on it. So just wow. just one man's opinion. Yeah, but four out of four, that's pretty good track record there, uh, Chris. <laughs> yeah. And, and I do agree. I mean, I frankly, you know, I mean, it, it, oftentimes the dance on this is I want to save a few dollars. So I fix an old dog, you know, four times and then I'm up to 800 or a thousand dollars. And then I begrudgingly change my furnace for 6,000. Now I've got 7,000 and a $6,000. You know, it's like, why didn't I just do this at the beginning? So I totally agree with you. And there's typically rebates on them too and all that kind of stuff. So by the time you're done, it's, it's worth it to me anyway yeah then but, the operating hey, costs help on the barn idea on the right on. Goldberg. i like that well yeah i mean as uh, <laughs> it, the, the more clever you are the more rube goldberg you start uh, you get this that you know any any port in a storm when you're trying to solve an odd uh, problem sometimes it takes some odd solutions <laughs> that's a good idea all right chris thanks for the call Phone lines, 314-436-7900, toll-free, 800-925-1120. This is Scott Mosby. going to take a short pause for me to take a breath. And Bosco, my pet gerbil, cranking out 50,000 watts on that little treadmill. You got to see that little rascal go. He just, he's just making time trying to get nowhere. Uh, 314-436-7900, 800-925-1120. Scott Mosby locked in a little room having more fun than I really should. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, back together. Uh, went through my database here a little bit. Actually, the cobwebs in my mind. Uh, there is a company in St. Louis. Uh, that does retrofit inserts, so they'll put glass into it. So uh, um, as we get into this, David, you were the caller, uh, the company, or one company. Uh, I don't have any direct experience with them, but it's uh, Designer Glass of St. Louis. SGO, they used to do, it used to stand for stained glass overlay, and now they basically replace those or insert the new thing. So David, SGO, it's in St. Louis, it's uh, SGO Designer Glass of St. Louis. Uh, so anyway, I don't mean to advertise for them, but if you're looking for somebody to put just that glass in your door, there you go. Uh, maybe we can get them on CamoX here one day. Phone lines for you, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Next up, let's see what's happening with, uh, uh, how's about Joe? Hey, Joe, good morning. Welcome. How can I help, sir? Yeah, good morning, Scott. Uh, I've got a nine-foot uh, length patio door, and the slider, the center portion of this patio door, 
has become heavy to slide. Can it be replaced without replacing the entire 9-foot assembly? Oh, absolutely, Joe. Those things, um, think of it as tires on your car, and as it rolls back and forth, those wheels, um, or rollers as we call them, on any movable patio door can be replaced, um, and you know it can actually go right back to brand new feeling. So, yeah, those wheels and the hardware, it's a little bit of a specialty for changing it. But it, no magic to it other than getting the right parts for that brand door. I got it. I got it. Okay, so it's not unusual then to just replace that center portion, the slider. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and just the, other the wheels. I have real I mean, quick, just... like, uh, has to do with the furnace. I had a new furnace and AC installed about three years ago. And I noticed that the furnace was an 84% efficiency rather than 100%. Mm-hmm. Did I make a mistake in choosing that 84% efficiency? No, the reason you wound up with that is your existing flue in the house. If you have a chimney or flue or flue pipe that goes out and it's made of galvanized steel, usually an insulated unit, most houses have just exactly that, the highest efficiency you can get in a furnace is about 85 to 88%. Above that, you have to run the new horizontal plastic PVC pipes because when you pull that much heat out of the flue gas and use it as heat inside the house, that flue gas condenses with a ton of acid and it'll eat up your flue pipe. So that's why you wound up with an 84, 85%, which means you don't have to run a new exhaust pipe through your roof or you spend another, you know, a couple thousand dollars for the higher efficiency, then they abandon that pipe through the roof and they go out through the sidewalls with those two white plastic pipes. So that's kind of where it was. the, uh, the association with that that troubled me was the fact that uh, this is a 1,900-square-foot single-level ranch, mm-hmm. and the furnace is down at one end of the house. By the time that heated air gets to the other end of the house, it's not as warm as it should be, my consideration. Yeah. Is that normal? Yeah, and if you change to um, you know a NASA-built um, super whiz-bang furnace, you'll still have that same problem because it's a furnace location issue. My advice, Joe, is just run the blower motor all the time, and it kind of averages out those hot and cold spots, and then when your furnace actually starts sending heat, it just kind of mixes up. So I think you'll find you know a little less awareness of the hot and cold if you run the blower motor. Okay. Hey, Joe, thanks for the call. Good luck. Um, uh, Patio rollers successfully changed. Run the blower motor. And for all of you listeners, frankly, I run my blower motor on my furnace all the time, filters all the time, and it averages out the temperatures. So stay tuned. Hour two of the Helitech Home Improvement Show coming up next. KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, hour two, home improvements. Scott Mosby, 50,000 watts, one more hour. Lots of things happening before we get to Billiken basketball coming up after the home improvement show. It is a wonderful day to be inside and indeed 
uh, enjoying KMOX and all of the family benefits thereof. Phone lines for joining, discussing, asking your questions, answering, helping me along with helping our listeners. Phone lines here, 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900, toll free 800-925-1120, uh, lots of things to talk about, many things happening here. As we get into the winter, we are there now. I am a fire guy. I love fireplaces. I especially love safe fireplaces. Boy, there's no, just no better way to create a cozy atmosphere. Ooh, take my shoes off, put them right there by the flame. Oh, feel good beautiful fireplace uh, information on fireplaces designs and the inspiration some of the ideas on our mosby building arts website call mosby.com c-a-l-l like telephone call mosby.com you know that's for me i just couldn't remember all the letters to type out mosbybuildingarts.com so anyway good bad or ugly I like callmosby.com because I can remember those few letters. Uh, but anyway, fireplaces, lots of good ideas, various ways. Uh, and keep in mind, fireplaces come in all kinds of different um, methods of construction. Uh, the old world way is a brick or stone mason building a masonry fireplace, full brick and mortar, concrete block, all of that starts with a foundation down in the basement and works all the way up, whether it's one, two, three stories tall. That's a full masonry fireplace suitable for burning fuel, uh, solid fuel meaning wood, pellets, anything like that. Um, when you get into a metal unit fireplace, kind of like something might be called a heatilator or a majestic, what that is is it's a sheet metal pre-manufactured box of many sizes and they can be designed to be as finished very grandly or simply but that metal box sits into the framing of a house requires virtually no foundation just good structure in the floor structure framing and then that metal box sits there in the fireplace family room you know bedroom whatever has all the benefits of a full wood burning fireplace and you put a flue a metal pre-manufactured flue or chimney system up through the roof and that's where you typically will see a siding framed chimney or something like that that you know it there's obviously a, a fireplace there but you know it it's not brick or it's not stone so you think well it may not be but it could look like that when you put a stone facing on it especially inside a family room or a living room and that may have a full brick all the way from you know floor to ceiling could be two stories and still be a frame fireplace and a metal pre-manufactured unit. Uh, then you get into direct vent or ventless fireplaces and I'll talk about that in a minute but the point being at least later on in this hour the point being that because that fireplace finish whether brick or stone or whatever even if it's a masonry fireplace that can be peeled off and changed. So whatever you have as the finished version of that fireplace whether pre-manufactured or a unit fireplace or full masonry that surface on the inside of that room can be changed as well as covered so if you have full masonry oftentimes we're changing uh, in a house remodel at Mosby and we want to detune we don't want 
a two-story stone pillar and we'll cover it over with a drywall material uh, and it can so you tune it down you wind up with a little marble or stone surround a more traditional fireplace mantle and off you're running and so all of those are choices that you can make we've even done concrete face fireplaces plate steel fireplace faces um, and, and that kind of gets into the design element that is just uh, systemic and part of Mosby Building Arts we are kind of a design-based construction company so our history is that you know we're a bunch of carpenter guys trying to employ ourselves well then as we got through you know second third fourth uh, decade it's you know what boy this design really yeah, makes us look good so the point being that in uh, in my years of running Mosby Building Arts uh, after my father I, I really uh, became a real um, fan of good design because you know the price may not be much different but it's like it's like picking a roof color well pick any roof color and we'll put on whatever you pick boy that's fraught for error because you're going to have for 20 or 30 years that color roof and if you pick the wrong one 30 years worth of wrong or 30 years worth of beautiful coordinated with the brick color, the mortar color, the fireplace, you know, the trim paint, the siding, whatever it is. So my point being that um, good design um, really doesn't cost much more, but it makes the investment worth so much more. Um, and ladies, you hear me talk about colors and the science of color all the time. It's like going into the, the um, cosmetic counter and if you pick the right color that fits with your eyes and your hair color, your skin tone, and, you know, all of that, your eyes, all of us, you know, for no extra cost, you pick the right color and you're magically, switch goes on and you just glow. Well, if you pick the wrong color for whatever those cosmetics are, you're clashing with that. And no matter how much you spend in the wrong color palette, you're going backwards. So that's where I have learned the value of good colorization, good selection, great advice in the design. And that's why we are licensed architects, have licensed architects, full kitchen and bath design experts, uh, interior design, everything it takes to do the job right. And what that means is, you know, we can be overridden. It's like, well, I don't like that color well it's your home you get to pick whatever you want but my job is to tell you that I recommend within this and this range somewhere in here these are the colors that coordinate with the existing part of the home we, I call it we advocate for the home anyway enough of that but that's why fireplaces and the finishes the materials the design colors all that stuff if you do it right it's literally free value if you do it wrong you basically have to throw that money away and start over and do it again. 314-436-7900 is how we get together here on KMOX. My name is Scott Mosby. If you haven't figured it out, I run a construction company in my off days uh, when I'm not here on KMOX. And, uh, you know, it's just a lot of fun. We'll play with creative people, uh, production people, structures, uh, clients, people of all um, uh personality types which I really like and that's why I love being here on the radio with you so anyway we're going to have some phone calls when we come back let's uh, fire up see what's happening with Ken hey Ken Scott Mosby good afternoon welcome to KMOX how can I help sir hi Scott um, I have a problem with a crack in the ceiling of my house the house is 40 years old um, it is though I have textured walls and textured ceilings uh -huh. several years ago. Um, we did have a, uh, 
contract painter who did. I did have a small crack, and I feel that they filled it in with um, some type of caulk, and then they painted over it. Mm-hmm. Um, but now the crack is getting longer. Um, I have a ceiling fan, and the crack actually would actually be in the middle of where the fan is, mm-hmm. and um, it has gotten larger um, through the course of time. There's been a couple people in my subdivision that um, had the different ceilings that were replaced and um, I'm not a good at doing any of this. Where do I start? How do I have someone, what type of a contractor or whoever would be somebody would come over to take a look at this and how I get it repaired? Well, you're welcome to call our company. We're kind of built that way that even our painters know whether or not this is a structural issue or not. Uh, but but the issue there, and, and I want to ask a few questions to get you a little further down the road. Uh, for example, is this a flat ceiling on your house or is it vaulted? It's flat ceiling. Flat ceiling. Eight foot tall? Um, Roughly. Yes, yeah, normal, normal, yes, sir. Normal, yeah, yeah. Uh, Do you know if this is a truss roof or whether it was stick-built, you know, two-by-sixes and carpenters? Oh, boy. When you go up in the attic, do you see any metal plates on the side of anything? um, Well, I'll tell you what, I haven't been up there in years and years. I can't remember if it did or not, to be honest with you. I think it did. Okay. Well, chances are that 40 years ago, it's a truss roof. Truss roof, uh, those structural pieces, triangular or whatever, they flex and they move. So having a crack in the ceiling may be nothing more than the engineer um, maxed out the span of that structure. So you may be inbound structurally, but you may be having so much flex move or um, flexion that it, it cracks the drywall. What may need to happen is go up in that attic, pull back the insulation, and just put a whole bunch of two-by-sixes or two-by-eights, put the structure, widen out what those drywall pieces fasten to, because if you're at one of those live-moving joints, um, sometimes just, you know, as my father would call it, glued, screwed, and tattooed, it just may need more fastening at that one spot. Or you get up in the attic and you look around and it's like, you know what, this thing's coming back. It's probably a beam. You know, it's not going to, to fix and stay. This is probably coming back. What is, is is it a bad drywall job? They didn't do a full attachment. Or is this just structural movement where it's going to crack for the next 40 years? Let's talk about putting some beams up. You know, beams being, so, you know, some, some good-looking false beams to cover these joints. Wow, that's obviously way over... Um, you know, my pay grade. Yeah. So, so this is something that professionals like you would go ahead and, and have to come and take a look at, right? Yeah. The, for one of the, we'll talk a little bit, pretty much what do you want it to do? I just want to fix it. And up in the attic, they're going to go to look around and see why is there flexion at this place, you know, over the years? And is it just a bad drive? And, and our painters, actually our lead painters are pretty good at figuring that out. When we paint a house on the inside, and we do it primarily for our Mosby jobs, we don't do a whole lot of outside painting, though we do. Uh, first thing we'll do if there's a problem like that is, why is this thing happening? I mean, am I into just a small crack or am I into a structural issue? So, yeah, that's kind of why we're built the way we are. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's the only room in the house. It's a three-bedroom house, and it's the only room 
that it's doing that. And I often wonder if something happened when they installed the ceiling fan. Um, but years ago, we did have the ceiling fan person come out and look at it and went up on the roof. And he goes, no, everything's fine with the fan. The fan was put in right. So, yeah. Scott, are we talking about an expensive fix here? No, if it's just if they haven't quite put enough backing in, it's really just adding more wood up in the attic that is nailed to something solid. So when you screw the drywall on, it's screwed to a solid something because generally drywall only has about a three-quarter inch, half of a two-by-four space, you know. Well, that's not a whole lot of surface. So you spread out, you know, a big board on each side of that truss and you wind up with a six-inch securing surface and you can kind of withstand some of those extra stresses. So not not just to fix the crack and make sure it doesn't come back. No, it's like an expanded paint job with some carpentry time. But if you get into beams or whatever, then you're adding, you know, whole elements, designs, and finished carpentry painting and on, and that can get a little pricey. Well, with this being 40 years old, um, the question is whether this was actually nailed in or screwed in back then. It doesn't matter. You can have a bad job on both. If there's not enough wood, you know, and the drywall didn't quite get enough surface to secure to, you know, gold-plated screws won't hold if there's just not enough to hold two. Okay. So the your suggestion would be to give your company a call. That is correct? Yep, yep. And, Scott, it, what is that number again? I'm sorry to keep you on the line again. Oh, not a problem. That's 314 314- Nine oh nine one eight zero Okay, I will go ahead and do that and um, go ahead and give a call. You know, we've kind of delayed calling anybody just because of the situation in the world right now. We haven't had anybody come into the house, so that's why we've delayed. But I thought, well, I better get this taken care of. So, well, thank, just, thank just, you. Thank you. Just, just tell them that up front. You know, we'll come in with our masks on. I mean, we, we uh, you know, we're comfortable doing all this i mean frankly you know we we see a lot of people so it's more of our self-protection as well as we want to be masked up and you know we'll crawl up in the attic and stand whatever we can actually do this over a zoom we still need to come out and look in the attic but other than that you know you'd be surprised how good we've gotten at seeing a house by people walking around with uh, smartphones <laughs> good all right sir and i guess monday would be the time to call right nothing on the yeah. weekend yes sir yeah Okay, thank you, Scott, for your help. All right, Ken, take care. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. We'll be right back. All right, lunchtime, second hour, Home Improvement, KMOX. Scott Mosby, at your service. All topics pertaining to your home are inbounds. Welcome, and we'll tackle them together. Phone lines for you, 314-436-7900, Let's talk with some of my favorite friends and start with Jan. Hey, Jan, good afternoon. Welcome to KMOX. How can I help? Um, I had a problem with mold in my basement. Mm-hmm. My um, shutoff valve started leaking, mm. and every time I used water, like in my dishwasher or my washing machine, it would spray. And oh I didn't know what was happening because the shutoff valve is underneath my steps going downstairs. <laughs> yeah. So when I finally noticed it, um, I had quite a mess and lots of lots of mold. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a company come out, and um, they took off all the all the wallboard that was affected, mm-hmm. and they um, remediated the mold. Okay. My question is, should I have 
somebody come out and recheck to make sure they've got all the mold out? Um, actually, uh, do you have a nose that senses things like that? Can you smell mildew and uh, musty smell? Yes. Yeah. Uh, frankly, it, here's what it takes for mold and mildew. Um, it is persistent moisture, a food source, and warm enough. So frankly, you're going down and opening up that enclosure to see, uh, you will st- you'll get the feedback right away. It, because if you have a closed up area, like a closed door, when you open that up, if there's any residual mold, mold spores that are you know, uh, untoward, you generally pick that up. And if there's humidity, I mean, St. Louis is wet even in the winter. So you know, we're, it's just a humid place by, re- by comparison. Um, so, I wouldn't worry too much about it, um, but if you had this leak for years, then that mold could happen in other places of your basement, and then I would, um, you know, then have somebody come in and, and test for the mold. But understand, you and I are covered with mold right now all the time, even when we step out of the shower. It's just right. part of the world. So when we have mold, that just means that that amount of mold has raised to such a, a, a threshold that now it's bothering me, and your level of toxicity tolerance and mine are different. Uh, then you get into the nasty, you know, biological, you know, not unhealthy molds. And generally, um, you and I are not qualified to judge that. But it's kind of like, are the conditions there to make that run? So if you'd had that leak for years, then that's a prudent choice to get tested. If it's been a year or, you know, half a year or something like that, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Um, it's only been a matter of six months or less. Oh, yeah. Trust your nose. You'll you'll know it. Basically, if there's a problem, uh, you'll feel a tightness in your chest. Your sinuses will let you know. Uh, I mean, at least I do. I mean, we, we do a lot of um, persistent moisture problems, not wet and leaky basements like Helitech, but we do with leaking walls, windows, roofs, you know, finding that. Believe me, uh, trust your nose and your body. Your body will tell you pretty quickly whether you're in an un- unfavorable environment. Okay. Well, it did affect the entire basement. I had to clear out everything, and they remediated the entire basement, the bedroom, the mm. furnace room, the closet, everything. Yeah, I, I think that sounds like it. Although I'm not qualified to judge, and you aren't, the only way to really find out is to have a test. And if you're losing sleep, then have the test. It's a cheap way to buy a good night's sleep. But on a on a real need basis, I, I suspect that there might have been some. Uh, usually the abatement companies, if they sense something like that, they'll bring it up because they're sending their workers down to work in this thing. Right. You, you know. So, I mean, you're kind of all in this together, good, bad, or ugly. So, uh, but if you're losing sleep over it, have it tested for sure. It's a, it's a cheap way to buy, you know, peace of mind. Uh, for $500, I'll trust my nose. Yeah, that's, that's kind of it. You're making a consumer choice and judgment because, you know, people say, you know, well, I've got mold. It's like, well, my shower's got mold right now. I guarantee you, you know, it just uh-huh. is. So yeah. it's like, is it bad mold? It's like, well, I don't know, you know, right. is Mr. Clean mold or, you know, Mr. Doctor mold. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. No, trust, trust yourself, Jan. For the most part, your body will uh, keep you out of trouble or at least tell you when you're, when you're in an unfriendly environment. And then you just go to the next step. It's like, yeah, I'll get it tested. Okay. Good. 
Well, okay. Thank you so much. You bet, Jan. Take care. Trust your gut, and off you go. You bet. Okay. Thanks so much. Bye now. Home improvement. Next up, let's see who else has been waiting a while. Let's go to Mary. Hey, Mary. How you doing? Good afternoon. Happy Saturday. Hi, uh, Scott. I'm yeah. uh, I'm doing fine. I have uh, a suggestion and then two quick questions. Okay. Um, for your former caller who was calling about his mother's furnace, mine was yeah. do- is 20 years old, mm-hmm. and it was doing the same thing. Actually, I think mine's 21. He, um, so the first technician that came out didn't even take the cover off, and he said, oh, the furnace is just so old, the pipes are overheating, you just need to replace it. And so then I called another one that was recommended by a friend, and he came out, took the cover off. Within about five to seven minutes, he said, well, there's a capacitor here that's weak. Mm -hmm. So he replaced that capacitor, had it on his truck, and um, it's fine. It's up and running again. He did say, you know, (laughs) you're probably going to be wanting to replace it sooner than later. But, you know, it it wasn't – it's just a matter of – who you get to look at it. So yeah. the second opinion is a very good idea. Yeah, and and frankly, um, the second guy had the skills and ability to analyze it. The first guy probably didn't. Probably <laughs> not. It out, might have you know? helped if he, well, if he would have just taken off the cover and maybe peeked. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. So, but, okay, so my question is, um, I was wondering if you would elaborate a little bit on what you said last week about the ultraviolet light attachments for the furnaces and, um, you know, how effective they are, how they work, how complicated they are. Do you need a professional to install them? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then um, the, the, the last question is just a, whether or not you have any thoughts about portable radiant heaters for like a sun porch, a three season room. Mm-hmm. Um, well, first off, the ultraviolet light um, kills biological uh, pathogens. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it can't sustain in sunlight and temperatures. So frankly, um, about I became aware of these probably 10 or 15 years ago, and I thought they were a new whiz-bang way to get a few more dollars from me. Well, now we get into this pandemic and, and, and the flu mm-hmm. season, and the older I got, you know, and, you know, talking to our heating and cooling partners, they're like, no, man ultraviolet light kills stuff pretty much quickly i mean you have to size it so if you have a you know if your return air for ductwork you know is 100 feet in diameter you need a big light or lots of lights so yes there is a size uh you do need professionals to size these and know and hook them in because they come on only when the blower motor runs so when you've got mm-hmm. air moving past and potentially little flu uh covid uh colds whatever it is blowing by that ultraviolet light just basically kind of you know makes them unfriendly and they they die in that plenum so they work they're pretty inexpensive because all it is is an ultraviolet bulb uh Mm -hmm. really you know so these things you know purchase for you know four or five hundred dollars and they install for about the same and sometimes you have to get some extra controllers and this is where a new furnace has a place to connect those two an old furnace Mm -hmm. you have to buy an extra panel so um, retrofitting an old furnace with one of these ultraviolet things might be a lot more costly than just adding it to a new one that's built to have all those goodies Uh, so yes they work I like them I don't have one in my house um, only because I never got around to it not because because I disagree with it. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, that's an important part. And what was your next question? 
The last one is I have a three season uh, sun oh, bloom, yeah. and um, I'm just trying to warm it up a little bit more because my little cat likes to be out there. Yeah. Um, so I was looking at the radiant portable, you know, electric heaters. Um, do you have any thoughts about those, or, or you know, which ones are better—the the ones with the fan that oscillate, or the, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Just your thoughts. Well, kind of what you see is what you get. There really is no big magic here. Is kind of the the answer, Mary. Uh, and and what I mean is, when you're creating heat, you're causing a short in an electrical heater. So it creates heat because the wires are too small and they heat up. So that's what, you know, so just a typical simple space heater takes about the same amount of electric as a radiant heater or one with a fan or whatever. The fan really gets to, well, where do you want the heat to move to. So if you have a simple radiant heat heater, those are very, they tend to be a little higher quality, uh, better mm-hmm. looking, cost more, but they heat things in the proximity of that heater. So they're not going to throw heat 12 feet across a room. You know, if mm-hmm. the cat's sleeping eight feet away, that cat's not going to feel radiant heat unless you're heating the entire floor. So mm-hmm. it, it really is no real magic. You know, a lot of these, whiz, some of these get to be sold products where all you want is heat and you believe you've got a better heater you know heat's heat you know i mean electric mm-hmm. resistance heat is is just that so you know there's so no they're real... not necessarily more energy efficient either than just no. a regular little space heater right but if you've got a f- heater with a fan that's mm-hmm. heating the whole room you may mm-hmm. only need for you on that chair a radiant heater sitting by that chair it will heat the chair it will heat me right in that proximity that may be the better choice of style of how you move that heat so radiant heats things okay but if you do want to heat the room then then you would want um one with a fan i guess yeah yeah because it's it's kind of like a you know a poor man's furnace you know it's just a simple (laughs) and the Mm -hmm. whole concept now in energy efficiency is now uh kind of away from the big central heating system because if Mm -hmm. i'm just in the bedroom and that's all i need to heat well you can turn up the rest of the house and then get a, a space heater and heat that room but you have to buy a good quality one that doesn't set the house on fire that's the right. part that's important there so you can't just you know ten dollars isn't going to do it but mm-hmm. the point being that um, point of use heat uh, is quite affordable because you can cool your house down to you know a cooler temperature and warm your bedroom and you know mm-hmm. and when you wake up okay. you turn the furnace back up okay yeah. all right well thank you so much i appreciate all your knowledge and your willingness to share it sure mostly just common sense there okay thanks <laughs> right. mike thanks mary bye-bye home improvement scott mosby KMOX. we're going to take a short pause be right back after this all right scott mosby back together we're covering lots of good topics i'm enjoying this i always enjoy a varied show and the various uh, questions and answers we have a little help from our friends we have a caller jeff that has some ultraviolet light experience hey jeff good afternoon welcome how can you help us good afternoon scott happy new year thank you um so i did have one of those installed about a month ago Mm-hmm. And I have one of those noses, like you were talking to that lady about earlier, that smells everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. And the beauty of this thing is, you know, within a week, uh, my house is reasonably dry, but there's some musty smell in the basement occasionally and so forth. But within a week, 
all odors were gone. Oh, Everything. And I'm then married, the other I'm thing is one of those noses. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. So this is what you can get her for Christmas next year. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought but, of that. Uh, yeah, so so all odors were gone and then and then the other thing is so even cooking odors. So you know, my wife's a great great cook and uses all kinds of bizarre things and sometimes the kitchen is really bad. Usually within 4 or 5 hours all of the smells are gone. Wow. Um so yeah, for me that that was probably the most important part um you know i don't we haven't noticed any health effects in a a month but uh, i'm sure that there are some benefits from that the other thing is as you didn't talk about before well one thing came to mind real quickly that the professional installer did choose to put it always on as opposed to hooking it into the blower switch which you know they just choose to do it that way and they like to keep it on so that the coil and the air for the air conditioner is always being lit through the summer. That's what they said anyway. And then secondly, you know, there is an ozone option, I guess. There's one that produces ozone and one that doesn't in this particular unit that I bought. Mm -hmm. And I chose not to buy the ozone unit because of, you know, ozone can eat organic compounds that you don't want it to eat. So that's why I chose not to buy it. But the installer said he had one with an ozone generator in it, and he said he loved it. So, you know, something that folks are going to confront if they go shopping for these things. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Thank you. I didn't know all that. Uh, I, I knew how it worked and that it worked. Wow. But I had no idea it did odors, Jeff. Yeah, because if you think about it, they're organic, right? Yeah, yeah. They're little critters yeah. running around making smells. Wow. Yeah, yeah. The other, th- I'm sorry, one last thought that came to mind was the guy that installed it said, well, you know, for the first week, you're going to notice your house is more dusty because mm-hmm. apparently because of this, this, this ionization of the air, it, it takes the dust out of the air that's, that's in the air. Not, not that you're filtering out, but, you know, as it blows yeah. into the house, that it grabs the dust and it falls out. And that's what happened. The house was more dusty for about a week, and then it stopped. Wow. Wow. Yeah, wow. pretty weird, huh? Yeah. Hey, Jeff, <laughs> thank you. Much, much, much appreciated here. Oh, you're quite welcome. All right. Thanks for the help, brother. My pleasure. Take care. Bye now. All right, there we go. Jeff advises the ultraviolet light, uh, was advised and loves that it turns on all the time. And that keeping in the summertime, um, that ultraviolet light on the uh, A-coil or air conditioning coil, that's a brilliant uh, piece of advice because I can't tell you how much mold and mildew grows um, between cycles on inside your furnace or inside your air conditioner because it's wet it's dark and it's still relatively warm. So, you know, in, until that thing fires up and starts blowing air around, it can generate mold uh, particles. Uh, but I had no idea that it would affect color or f- odors as well. Uh, wow, nice piece of information. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, let's see what's happening. Uh, let's uh, get into Marion. Hey, Marion, Scott Mosby here. Good afternoon. How can I help? Hello, Scott. Thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. I um, recently had, apparently had, a fireplace uh, chimney fire. Oh. Yes, and so I called um, a chimney sweep service, and they came out, and they indicated to me that um, there was warping and dimpling of the fireplace flue system. Yeah. Um, now, um, he said that... Um, recommended that I get a mason out to uh, 
removed the bricks on the exterior of the fire of the chimney. Mm-hmm. Is it necessary to for them to get down inside to replace that flue? Um, there are liners, Marion, that can be installed, a stainless steel liner that commonly goes in with furnaces, and I'm familiar that they do occasionally happen that way for fireplaces as well. Um, so there is another option. Uh, if you have a full masonry fireplace, the way to fix that is, is literally you pull the thing all apart and you put it back together. Um, there is a, a, a several situations where the chimney offsets and moves so much that putting, liner, putting a liner in sometimes cannot happen. So you may be in one of those non-direct chimneys where you just can't put an easy liner in so um yeah without knowing your your fireplace i wouldn't know how to answer that other than yes there are conditions that uh, require that well um so my question too would be uh, before i call a mason um do i need to get a second opinion regarding this liner oh i would i would call your i mean you have to call your mason anyway um, frankly, but uh, uh, who do you have for a heating and cooling company? Uh, they typically put these liners in all the time with furnaces, and that harkens back to, uh, Joe, the end of hour one, you know, I got an 85% furnace, why? Um, and it gets to those liners. So if you have a trusted somebody that you already have a relation with, you know, call them, and, and that may be the door into, um, yeah, this is how liners work. This is probably why they're telling you that. But, you know, partners that you've had for decades taking care of your furnace or your plumbing, you know, those are the guys you can leverage for, you know, a trusted answer, even if it's outside of there. Um, All right. I didn't even think about calling the heating and cooling people. That's a great idea. Yeah, if you've got a good relationship with them, especially, um, that then, and, and, you know, I that... I, I know a lot of answers, answers, but I don't know them all. I know people that I trust, and they know those answers. So I kind of I, I describe it as I buy people, you know. So people who know stuff, you know, more than I do, are the ones I, you know, stand on their shoulders for a little bit of leg up. Well, I think you've given me good advice. I appreciate that very much. Um, I I will contact um, a heating and cooling um, company that I'm familiar with. Uh, yeah. But I do feel like I need to have some a second opinion. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, it doesn't they hurt. Start tearing bricks off the roof, you know. <laughs> yeah, we do a lot of tearing bricks off the roof, and believe me, it's not fun. Uh, you know, it's 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 the last resort on on most solutions. Well, that's what I thought, and not only that, it's extremely expensive, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, actually, it's the scaffolding up there and the scaffolding down and the carrying the stuff, heavy stuff up and the carrying the stuff. So the work actually doesn't cost much, but it's a pricey solution when you add in all that get there and get back stuff. It's a it's a pain. (laughs) Yes. Well, I appreciate your uh, recommendation, Scott. Thank you very much. Okay, Marion. Good luck. Bye now. Home Improvement. Take a short pause and be right back for more after this on University of KMOX. Oh, yeah, it's a chilly one today. Hot tamale. If it's chilly today, hot tamale. Well, yeah, maybe not. If it's chilly today, it's a a chilly tomorrow. Uh, Scott Mosby here, Home Improvement. Let's talk to Ed and see what's happening. Ed, good afternoon. Welcome to KMOX, my friend. How can I help you here? 
Oh, hang on a minute. Let me get the button. Ed, are you there, Ed? Okay. I'm okay. Here. Okay. I'm button challenge. Pardon me. I have fat fingers, Ed. You're on, sir. How can I help? Well, we're trying to figure out where a leak is in my son's second floor bathtub, and we think it leaks at the drain, so we unscrewed the drain and put some plumber's putty in the leap and the uh-huh. lip, and then we put tape around the thread and screwed it back in, and it still seems to be leaking. Is there another place? Do we need to put a gasket where the, where the pipe meets the tub underneath? Yeah, usually your plumber's uh, um, putty goes between the flange and the tub itself. So you wind up having to, uh, you pull the whole thing apart. Uh, So it is that gasket that matters. Um, When does it leak? Is it from a bathtub? Are you sure it's the bottom drain and not coming through one of the wall openings? Uh, Well, it drains when the, after a tub full of water starts to drain and unplug it. Yeah, not a shower, but just a tub. Yes, so it must okay. be something, I guess when it builds up or something. Yeah, yeah. No, you're on the right place then. It's either the overflow, which has the same gasket between the wall, the back of the wall of that tub, or the bottom drain. I think you're looking in the right place so far, so keep going. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, yeah. Now, do you have access to the back? Because there's a lot of connections down below that tub. Can, do you have an access panel on the back side of the wall for this tub or something where you can take a look and see what's happening inside there? Because there are about four or five places down there within six inches of that bottom drain that can cause a leak. Yeah, that's another thing. There's a lot of blockages. There's a, uh, we can get access to it, but the, the site is not very well. There's a lot of stuff in front of it. So we're just yeah. hopefully correcting everything as we go along well there uh, what there's other, a what, what other would it be leaking well the um the way you, you have the there's a pipe that goes horizontally parallel with the bottom of the tub and then there's a t that comes up on the bottom of the uh, drain so you have a big l-shaped piece that connects to the bottom floor drain of that tub and then you go back and then it drops down into a pipe so there are a whole bunch of sometimes just compression fittings that need tightening down in that area so a mirror or an automotive troubleshooting mirror on the end of a telescoping uh, pipe a flashlight uh, fiber optic we call it a sea snake where we actually stick so you'd be surprised how many uh, ways there are to see down in there when you can't just you know get a straight sight line at it there so ed there's a lot of ways to take a look but i'm i'm betting that this how old is your house well it's probably built in the 40s oh well you're you're yeah you're ripe for you know you've got opportunities for more than just a simple connection so i i would probably suggest opening up the back of the wall and taking a look at that one um, because it's it's more than probably just turning a little compression nut. Okay. Very good. So we'll get one of those mirrors, see if that can help us out. Yeah, and, and as you go into this, uh, this is how bathrooms get remodeled, because it's not that the bathroom's ready, but the plumbing pipes sometimes need a little more attention, and that's all it needs, but you have to tear everything apart to get to that pipe. So now you're into several thousand dollars of pipe repair. It's like, oh, how much do I get of a bathroom for this? So you're yeah, flying, right. flying close to the flame there, brother. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll look into it see what we can do. Okay, Ed. Good luck, sir. Thank you. Right. Bye-bye. 
Um, and uh, let me see. I got to watch my time. Uh, who else? Uh, let's get into Dave. Hey, Dave, how you doing? Scott here. Good afternoon. Or how can we help, sir? Uh, yes, Scott. Uh, my son's building a new house, and I was just wondering what you would recommend. Um, this uh, high-efficiency gas furnace or the new electric furnace they have out now, I think it's called the uh, Cocoon or something like that. Hmm. Not familiar. I will tell you the the highest ROI is a geothermal, where you're literally burying your air conditioning or heat pump condenser down under the soil. So beyond the two of those, if I was building a new home, I would look into geothermal, where you're literally drilling kind of a water well, 150 feet deep, and you're dropping your coil down in that so that is the highest and i have that in my home and i'm very pleased with it um so that's one level even more um efficient because you're not trying to get um uh air conditioning out of a 105 degree day you know Mm -hmm. so that's my opinion on that that you know a geothermal is is one step better than both of those if i'm not willing to spend the money for the geothermal then i consider both of those the gas or the, you know the high efficiency heat pump units are are very uh are, are about even in mine and, and then it just gets to where what i want gas gas is a hotter heat um heat pumps are cooler heat but they're both quite affordable on efficiency levels okay thank you you bet. Thanks for the question, Dave. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you. I've, uh, I've I've got just a few more seconds left here. Uh, stay tuned. We have Retire Ready. I misspoke. Uh, mentioned something about Billiken Basketball. Retire Ready is coming up next at 1 o'clock here on KMOX. My name is Scott Mosby. I spent the last two hours hopefully with you and uh, made a little difference. Um, uh, it, it matters that, uh, you know, the that my life is well spent and that I'm able to help people along the way. I enjoy that. Feels good. Wonderful Saturday as well as helping people I really care about. So thanks for being part of the CAMWEX family and uh, wish you very happy new year. See you next week here on University of CAMWEX.